All right. I'm Todd McKay. Uh, this is a Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We got Franco Terrazano here today. He is our federal director. Inflation numbers. They've got you hot and bothered, Franco. Let's just be honest about you. That uh, That's one of the ways to get under your skin is inflation. Here's a clip with you talking about it. Uh, Franco Terrazano is the national director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation in a release that he put out uh, late yesterday afternoon, which is why I'm knocking on his door this morning. Uh, The headline is taxpayers demand a plan to fight soaring cost of living. Franco Franco Terrazano, good morning to you. A great headline. Um, Have you had any early response from the government? No, nothing from nothing from our politicians in Ottawa who almost seem like they're oblivious to what's going on. The challenges that us everyday Canadians are facing. You know, there's so many issues going on right now, but I do think perhaps the economic issue of our day facing just regular working Canadians is inflation. And just the fact that our paychecks seem to be buying less and less, our savings seem to just be absolutely eroded. Um, And you know what? It doesn't take a a PhD in economics to understand why these prices are soaring, right? We've seen massive amounts of money printing. We've seen massive and unprecedented amount of government spending. And we continue to see taxes go up even during the middle of a pandemic. All right, Frankel, thanks for taking the time to chat with us, getting us on the list uh, of people for you to talk to. So break it down a little bit. What's the Coles notes? What's going on with inflation numbers right now? Yeah, well, we just got uh, another round of consumer price numbers from Stats Canada. Prices have gone up 4.7% over the last year, which is the highest price increase in nearly two decades. But Todd, I mean, that Stats Can report is essentially just telling us any Canadian who's been to the grocery store or been to a gas station lately what we already know. And that is that the cost of living is going up and up and that our paychecks are buying less and less. Okay. So that's a big problem. And it's an interesting thing. Usually when uh, problems like that hit the pocketbook, hit the kitchen table, hit the uh, family budget, usually that's a big deal. And politicians can't wait to say something about it. Sometimes it's smart. Sometimes it's not. Usually they want to say something. So the politicians, we've got a problem. Politicians love to uh, say they've got solutions. What are the politicians saying about this? Well, uh, they're really not saying much. They're, they're falling asleep at the wheel while Canadians get soaked with higher prices. But it's even worse than that because it, they're really adding insult to injury uh, by making these tough times tougher. During this pandemic, we've already seen the Trudeau government raise its carbon tax twice and another carbon tax is right around the corner. Next April, the carbon tax is going up again. But to make matters even worse, by 2030, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's carbon tax is going to be soaking us for about 40 cents per liter of gasoline. Then he's going to be imposing a second carbon tax through fuel regulations. Um, So it really doesn't look good for drivers. And what is the official opposition saying about these rising gas prices? Well, not much. And that's because their leader, Conservative Party leader Aaron O'Toole, he also wants to increase the carbon tax. He also wants to hit... Canadians with a second carbon tax. Now, Todd, there are some politicians saying the right thing. You've got the finance shadow uh, critic, Pierre Polyev. He's saying, hey, we've got to print less. Government borrowing has to go down. But the problem is even O'Toole wants to spend about $50 billion more than the last liberal government budget. 
Yeah, that's a real problem. We do see some politicians talking about the issue of inflation, very few talking about the solution. And it's not just the pain at the price at the pump when we're we're uh, fueling up. Everything in the grocery store got here with trucks and that kind of thing. That's how we heat our homes. Those uh, those numbers uh, pushing up on gas prices are pushing up everything else as well. Okay, but listen, we don't live in a vacuum. It's not like our politicians are the only ones in the world. Uh, and inflation isn't just a Canadian problem. We're seeing that around the world as well. What are other countries uh, doing about inflation? Well, it turns out that uh, politicians can provide a little bit of relief. Yeah, who would have thought living here in Canada that politicians could actually make life a little bit more affordable, but turns out it can be done because we're seeing it in a place like South Korea. For example, uh, they just announced that they're reducing gas taxes by 20%. We also see India reducing gas taxes. Now, close to home here in Ontario, Premier Doug Ford, he's doubled down on his promise to reduce gas taxes before the next budget. So that's something that our Ontario Director Jay Goldberg, he's going to be holding his feet to the fire on that one. So politicians can uh, provide a little bit of relief, they can provide relief immediately because we have to remember that taxes make up between 31 and 42% of the pump price. So, hey, these politicians want to do something to help us out. They need to take a look in the mirror. They need to reduce some taxes. Yeah, especially I was just glancing at some of the stats can numbers that came out. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's about 25% jump in, uh, in transportation costs. That was one of the biggest price jumps in driving all of the other prices up. Also, I had to laugh. Joe Biden, President Joe Biden in the States, he was getting in on this uh, stuff a little bit too. He was asking OPEC to pump more oil to try to get fuel prices down uh, and uh, get inflation under control in the US. If only there were some way to get oil from a friendly neighbor, maybe to the north. Maybe we could have uh, helped old Joe out there. All right, let's not go too far down that path. Inflation, look, nerds like you love this stuff. Let's just be honest about that. You would look at this stuff for fun, even if it didn't matter to your own pocketbook. But for the rest of us who aren't nerds, why is inflation so dangerous? Well, we talked about right at the beginning of the segment, right? Prices are up 4.7% uh, over the last year. That means our paychecks are, are, can't buy as much, right? That means our savings um, don't go as far, especially if you're retired. It's not like you can just jump back into the job market. Uh, what if you're on fixed income? right? You are really getting hit hard here. Or even if you're just trying to save up for retirement, right? Put maybe 10% of your paycheck aside for your golden years. Well, that money that you're putting aside isn't going to buy as much. And, and I think that's really the, the human element of this inflation. We see prices rise. We have to remember that the hard work that we're putting into those paychecks just don't really go as far. Yeah. And that, that costs everybody a lot. And it costs some of the people who can afford it the least costs them the most. And uh, that's the really, truly unfair part of, uh, of inflation. Okay, we've talked about the problems a lot. We got to talk about the solutions a little bit. All right, smart guy, what would you do to fix this? 
Well, there's a few different things. Let's just start with the cost of living, right? What's the immediate way, the immediate way tomorrow we could see some price relief would just be to reduce some taxes, right? We've talked about carbon taxes going up. That's the wrong direction if you want to provide relief, right? Right away, our politicians could provide relief at the pumps and, and reduce some taxes. Uh, we've also seen alcohol taxes go up twice during the pandemic. Well, hey, you want to help us out a little bit? Stop the booze escalator tax. So that's number one. Uh, number two is y- you got to take that printing press out of overdrive. Right? During this pandemic, we've seen the Bank of Canada print up and create 370 billion new dollars. And guess what? The more that the government prints in new dollars, the less that your dollars buy. Um, and, and really that boils down to a, an important point that we really just need to see uh, the government, the federal government stop borrowing so much money. That really is what it comes down to. Yeah. And in order to do that, we've got to get spending under control. If we could even just get it down to pre-pandemic spending levels, which were already crazy bananas high, uh, a lot of this would, uh, would be a lot better. The alternative, and we've seen this throughout history, is the banks, central banks, are prone to increase uh, um, uh, interest rates in order to try to curb inflation. That's also dangerous, though. A lot of people have uh, mortgages that they're just barely holding on to. We've got to find the get the government moving in a better direction on uh, on better ideas like slowing down a little bit on the taxes and the spending and uh, try to get this under control. All right, Fanko, thanks for looking into all the nerd stuff. Really appreciate your help. And, uh, you know, stay tuned, folks. I think we're going to be talking about inflation for a while. All right, I'm here with Jay Goldberg. He's our guy in Ontario, and he's been talking to a lot of reporters because Premier Doug Ford said he's going to cut gas taxes. Politicians across most of the rest of the country are looking at ways to jack up those costs. Here's a little clip of Jay talking to Kitchener today on the radio about this. We got half of Ontarians in this province living $200 away from not being able to pay their bills at all. So this could be a big help. Obviously, it would have been nice if uh, Premier Ford did this at the beginning of his mandate instead of right near the end. But uh, we'll take the wins where we can get them. And, and uh, there is some talk that, that he would expand that even further were the federal government to do something similar. But we know governments aren't all that interested in giving up revenue. So no, and... I would say I think pigs will fly before Justin Trudeau cuts the uh, gas tax. You know, he's been all about raising taxes at the pumps. Uh, they've been implemented their carbon tax, and actually the carbon tax was increased not once but twice during the global pandemic. So the federal government is part of the reason through their carbon tax that gas prices are up. 8.8 cents a litre is us paying carbon taxes. And by 2030, if the carbon tax goes fully into effect, we'll be paying $1.90 a litre for gas. So this uh, tax cut from Ford is welcome. But I think the Premier uh, is making a point when he's suggesting that, uh, you know, Ontario shouldn't be the only level of government looking for looking to give drivers relief. But I think it's uh, highly unlikely to see uh, Prime Minister Trudeau follow suit at all. All right, Jay. So reporters always like to talk about politics, but let's get into the numbers. Uh, Premier Doug Ford, how much uh, does he say he's going to cut gas taxes by? Well, Doug Ford's saying he's going to cut the gas tax by 5.7 cents a litre. That's a commitment he made to voters in the last election. 
Uh, it's been three years uh, and he's finally announcing that he's going to follow through on that. That's great news for drivers. If you're, if you're filling up your minivan uh, once a week over the course of the year, that's going to save you more than $200. And, you know, uh, with Canadians, we know that 50% of Canadians are saying that they're about $200 away from not being able to pay their bills. So this can make a big difference for a lot of people. And it's really great to see Ford promising that he's going to deliver. Yeah, it's interesting. It would save people money at the pump, but it actually saves you money other places too, because everything in the grocery store, there's some fuel costs built into that as well. Ultimately, those uh, pineapples had to get trucked there from somewhere, right? But let's talk about what, how high are gas uh, prices in Ontario right now? How high are those prices? How high are the taxes? Well, Todd had just uh, filled up the car. We were looking at about a buck forty-two, and uh, we have forty-eight cents out of every liter is is tax here in Ontario. So, you know, if we didn't have any tax, even though the price of oil is going up, gas prices are going up, we would still have gas for less than a dollar a liter. So that shows you, you know, uh, more than a third, virtually, uh, of the price of gas is simply taxes. Okay, so let's deal with some pretty routine objections uh, here. How can the province, the province cut taxes when it's running a deficit? How's that going to work? Yeah, I hear that question a lot. And, and the question should be, uh, you know, where can we make sure that we can deliver on tax cuts? And the way to do that, of course, is to lower spending in areas where it should be lower. Um, compared to our pre-pandemic levels, our spending is way up in Ontario. I just wrote an op-ed that if we returned non-health and long-term care spending back to the levels they were right before the pandemic, we could save $10.5 billion a year. Now, that doesn't even begin to mention you know, corporate welfare. We gave $300 million to the Ford Motor Company, their Fortune 500 company, $55 million to Maple Leaf Foods. They're also quite well off. We're giving free money to political parties. So there's a lot of things we could do in the province to change course. But definitely returning spending to pre-pandemic levels, that would give you a lot of room to play with in terms of both lowering the deficit and being able to deliver on tax relief. Yeah, I think what you're saying there is so important. A lot of people look at the deficit and think the only way to solve it is to get the government more money. But the reality is spending is the problem. Giving more money to the fire will just make the fire bigger. What we've got to do is get the spending under control. Okay, so here's the thing about politicians. We often describe them as leaders, but an awful lot of times uh, they're just kind of looking to see where the parade's going and run to get to the front of it. A few weeks ago, uh, Premier Ford, he made some vague comments saying that he might cut uh, gas taxes. You jumped on it. You hit him right away with a press release saying, good to hear you say you're going to follow through on your promises. Let's get it done right now. I kind of feel like that kind of made a difference. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I've been talking about this gas tax cut uh, since I came to the CTF. I think it's really important and can help a lot of people. And so when we heard Doug Ford say that, um, because he was confronted by reporters, you know, gas prices are really high in Ontario. Taxpayers need relief. And so we jumped on that, absolutely. But I would say, you know, we had uh, CTF supporters send emails to uh, Premier Ford encouraging him to follow through sooner. And I think that really helps. So definitely, you know, I was out there uh, talking a lot about this issue, really hammering it home, but I don't think I could have done it without the help of our supporters. So I got to give a real 
tip of the cap to them as well and thank thank everybody for pushing Doug Ford to do this. Uh, it seemed that he needed a lot of pushing, but but we're almost there. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit of downside news here, though. If Ford does the right thing and lowers gas taxes, uh, we know the f- uh, friends in Ottawa in the Trudeau government, they're not so good with lower gas prices. What do you think is going to happen there? Are they just going to backfill this with a higher carbon tax? Well, unfortunately, the Trudeau government uh, doesn't seem to care about increasing gas prices and energy prices for Canadians. We saw during the pandemic, they increased the carbon tax not once, but twice. They're set to increase it again on April 1st. And so if we're talking about 5.7 cents a litre, even if uh, the Trudeau government doesn't try to retaliate uh, and just raise uh, the carbon tax by that amount, because they'll have alleged that Doug Ford uh, kind of went against their their green policies by cutting the gas tax. Um, Even if they don't do that, we'll see within two or three years that the carbon tax hikes are going to eat up whatever kind of cut that Doug Ford has delivered. Uh, That is not at all to say that that it shouldn't be delivered because no matter how much the carbon tax goes up, if we get that 5.7 cents of relief at the provincial level, that will still lower prices, even with rising carbon taxes. But, you know, that's really going to shift the debate. And I think that a lot of people in Ontario are going to be looking at Ottawa when they're seeing gas prices skyrocket even further. Uh, Once Doug Ford delivers on his commitment to lower gas prices, the attention is going to turn to Parliament Hill. And we're looking at, uh, Franco did a great report looking at if we had 2030 tax levels in place right now, carbon tax levels, what would prices look like? Well, that's looking like a dollar ninety a liter, and so you know that's a really scary thing for a lot of drivers. It's very unaffordable. Trying to take your kids to school or go to work, uh, extremely expensive. That's going to increase prices by hundreds of dollars a year for all kinds of Ontarians. So I think that it's a key step that once uh, Premier Ford does this five point seven cents cut, the attention is going to turn to Ottawa, and we're really going to have to focus on the carbon tax as the source of our high prices. And as you said, it's not just prices to fill up your car, it's raising the price of everything, including that pineapple you're picking up at the supermarket. It's good on pizza. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Pineapple uh, definitely does belong on pizza. I love it too. Oh, there you go. There you go. You're a smart guy. That's why we got (laughs) you here. Uh, Listen, uh, we're never going to run out of fights. Good to see Premier uh, Ford on the right track here. Uh, Jay Goldberg's going to be right behind him, pushing him to get her done. He's talking. He's moving the right direction. Now we need to see it all the way done. In the meantime, though, uh, yeah, the next fight will be with Ottawa. I don't think we're ever going to run out of work. Thanks a lot, Jay. Thanks, Todd. All right, I'm here with Renaud Brassard. He's covering Atlantic Canada for us. We've got something really (laughs) unusual in the Maritimes. (laughs) I keep hearing that balanced budgets, it's like the Sasquatch. Like you hear about it, but it seems like it's physiologically, biologically, cosmologically impossible. Renaud tells me that he's cited one. Renault, what's going on? Uh, I just have to correct one thing here. I didn't cite one. I cited two. Because New Brunswick managed to somehow, while every other province was borrowing money by the hundreds of millions and the billions and the tens of billions, New Brunswick managed not only to post one, but two balanced budgets in 2020 
and 2021. Okay. That's crazy. Because a lot of people just laugh at us when we say, hey, maybe it'd be a good idea if a government spent less money than it brings in. They're like, oh, that's crazy talk. And here mm-hmm. it's actually happening. In fact, I looked at it. I was like, this has got to be some funny accounting. But when I looked at your numbers, you were showing that they are actually paying down debt. They're not oh, racking yeah. up like, debt. The debt's actually going down. So, okay. Let's get uh, let's calm down for a moment here <laughs> and get into how in the hell is this actually happening? How is New Brunswick doing this? Well, there, there's there's a couple of things. Uh, first off, when they did their uh, their budget estimates uh, last year, uh, they were really pessimistic. They assumed the economy was basically going to stagnate, not that great, it, you know, not a lot of growth. Uh, they decided to go really pessimistic. They were, they were saying we're probably going to run a $240 million deficit. Turns out that uh, economic activity picked up. Instead of the 2.9% growth after inflation that they were looking at, uh, the province is now projecting a 3.7% growth. And, you know, that 0.8% doesn't look like much. But that's 0.8% extra that people have in incomes to pay for some income taxes, uh, that companies have in profits to pay for corporate taxes, uh, and that people have uh, in their bank accounts to uh, buy stuff they need at the store. Uh, So in sales taxes as well. So government's revenues have gone up. Uh, There's also, you know, part of it is Ottawa sending so much money to provinces that they don't really know what to do with. Uh, So Revenues have been up by about 400, 450 million. Meanwhile, spending uh, was up, but by a more reasonable 120 million. Uh, and that leaves us at this, in a situation where New Brunswick is, gonna, is, is thinking is going to post a $90 million uh, budget surplus at the end of the year. Yeah, and it's remarkable. It's easy to kind of just shrug it off and be like, well, they got some money from the feds that floated them. Listen, every province in Canada got money from the feds. Every other province in Canada spent all that money and some. New Brunswick spent the money, but they also paid down some debt and kept their spending under control. It went up a little bit, but it didn't go up uh, to a crazy degree. Okay, let's get uh, let's get into the comparison <laughs> game, though. Uh, so New Brunswick is paying down its debt. It's actually balanced yep. the budget already and paying down its debt. Yeah, it's been down by 60 million this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, once again, it's it's not a lot, but it's so much better than literally everybody else. Well, and 60 million in a pretty small province is actually uh, actually some money. Okay, let's play the comparison game, though. Let's compare to Ottawa. How's Ottawa <laughs> looking? Uh, you know, definitely not paying down some debt. Uh, currently looking at a $154 billion deficit, so... Not, not that great, you know. Yeah, and when you compare it to Ottawa, the parliamentary budget <laughs> officer is saying that Ottawa is not going to balance the budget until 2070. <laughs> 2070, that is not much of a plan. Oh, no, I feel like if I have to wait until I, I need a cane to walk around by the next time I see a balanced budget, like, no, this this is not a plan. This is just like laughing, laughing, letting things go and hoping everything's going to work out. Exactly, Okay. So let's let's lean on New Brunswick's uh, um, experience a little bit and apply it to other places uh, like Ottawa. What can they do uh, there to get things under control? I mean, the, first, the thing that New Brunswick did uh, that most other provinces didn't do is uh, keep the brakes on spending. You know, they this is 
first and foremost, a health crisis. So let's spend on healthcare. And, and that's what they did. They're, most of their budget increases have come from healthcare. Not all of it, but most of it. Uh, so one of the things that Ottawa could do, because Ottawa is not really in charge of healthcare, it sends money for healthcare, but it doesn't operate healthcare. One of the first things it could do is just go back down to pre-pandemic spending levels. Uh, we don't need the same level of support now, and we shouldn't be spending nearly $150 billion more than we do in normal years. Yeah, it's interesting. When you take it to a, a family situation, a pandemic really is an emergency. It's kind of like if the uh, furnace goes out on your house. Uh, yeah. You can't just kind of you know, ignore that. You do have to fix it. That's going to cost some money. But maybe, maybe at the same time, you don't book a trip to Disneyland, buy yourself a big flat screen and, uh, you know, go crazy <laughs> on everything else. That's what we're seeing in a lot of governments, more spending on healthcare and everything else. New Brunswick spent more money on healthcare, but kind of kept it uh, on the reasonable side uh, on the everything else. And look where they're at. They're way better. But Okay, so let's <laughs> hate to kind of take it down to like a negative note to end. Uh, New Brunswick's doing much better than everybody else, uh, but it's not like everything's totally rosy there. Uh, what's, uh, what's it looking like overall for New Brunswick when it comes to debt? It, it's definitely not rosy. And, and look, like, yeah, we're saying everything's going better than everybody else, but this is basically like the, the best student in one of the worst classes, right? Uh, sure, they get a good grade compared to everybody else, but things are not exactly going swimmingly. Uh, the province is still, you know, significantly in debt. It has a $13.4 billion debt, uh, even with this $60 million repayment. Uh, and it might not seem like much, and people like myself living in Quebec with a $200 billion debt or Ontario with $300 billion plus. Uh, but when you put it uh, in a small province, it's about $17,000 per person, which is, you know, not nothing. Um, and of course, that costs taxpayers significant amounts of money. This is $650 million near, uh, roughly every single year that they have to pay in interest payments without even paying the capital. So uh, things, are not, things are not looking rosy. Uh, New Brunswick needs to keep working to pay down this debt, working to reduce this $650 million bill. Uh, so so that's, that's one first things it needs to do. Uh, and of course, uh, when we talk about, about government, uh, there's always that, that issue of the premium that government employees get. Uh, we, we looked at it in New Brunswick when you adjust for education, um, the average government provincial government employee uh, earns 12% more uh, than if he was working either in the private sector or another level of, new, of government in New Brunswick. Uh, so that discrepancy has to be addressed. It needs to be brought back down to a similar level to the rest of us, you know, to the rest of us in the private sector that paid for those salaries. So there's a lot of things that New Brunswick could do, uh, but at least compared to other provinces, it's further along the road to actually doing it. And it's actually possible. New Brunswick proved that you can indeed balance a budget. So when the rest of them uh, shake their heads, we can point to them. Thanks for keeping an eye on this, Bruno. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. 
Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.